This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Botox Cosmetic. Out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery Free in terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Seven points off the automatics and only one point off the playoffs. Am I right? This is League Two after all. But this weekend, Swindon Town fell a million miles away from promotion contenders as they were swept aside at Plough Lane in front of a sold-out away end. AFC Wimbledon 4, Swindon Town nil. Here to discuss is the boy from the Bitterland. It's Connor. Hello, Connor. Hi, Rich. I'm not from the Bitterland. I'm just in it at the moment. Uh, so just just to uh, issue that correction, early doors. I get it wrong most weeks, Connor. Can I start again? Because, you know... <laughs> no, I, I like the way that we're starting. I think it, it's a more combative display from the both of us than uh, either of the teams... Well, our team, any of the players in our team managed uh, away in Wimbledon. So, um, yeah, I don't know. What are we going to discuss for an hour here, Rich? I... I are we doing an hour? I don't. I don't know. I, it was just. We can edit that. Forty minutes, half an yeah, hour, well, ideally ten minutes. I don't know. If I'm not allowed to edit that error out, then you're not allowed to edit this runtime out. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> how the devil are you, Connor, in the bitterland? Uh, do you know what? Not too bad. Uh, I think 
when you're not at a game and you're just watching it on iFollow and then you just it's sort of in the comfort and the warmth of your own home, you can just go and do something else. I think those kind of results don't sting quite as much. And to be fair as well, if I was probably at the game, it's the sort of thing where you have a big day out and you make it about that rather than the result. So as much as the result kind of stings and will probably linger for a few days, it's one of those ones where you just feel quite, I don't know, the rest of the weekend, hopefully still nice. So just, just try and focus on that, ignore the football. Uh, so that's what I've been doing. Uh, a bit of festive baking, some nice food, uh, watching some other football games on TV. Uh, watched in Bruges because apparently it's a Christmas film according to uh, a listicle I read on the website uh, and uh, yeah I found out that Jamie Oliver's 2006 Christmas special is on YouTube so uh, I would recommend watching that to anyone that uh, really has nothing to do with their life at the moment. In Bruges Christmas film what are we thinking? I mean it's set at Christmas but I don't think any other part of it's remotely Christmassy but I feel really in the spirit for having watched it what about you yeah it's not a Christmas film uh, it, it, I think we've done the Die Hard debate uh, over the years haven't we we've done we've done the Die Hard chat whether it's a Christmas film or not they're at Christmas parties so I think it's okay to say Christmas film yeah I read a thing and this might even have been on the same list that I was sort of going through that had in Bruges listed as a Christmas film we're saying that uh, it's kind of a vi- like Die Hard is a violent adaptation of uh, It's a Wonderful Life which well I don't know don't know about that I might have to rewatch both of them side by side which that's like an afternoon's undergoing, isn't it? So mm. I think we are going to reach an hour, by the way, Rich. Yeah, so. we've done it. I, I was, you've just taken my beer. I was like, this is why these episodes last an hour. Uh, <laughs> it's a fair point. Okay, well, this is mostly a match day pod, but there were a few things from the recent off-field events that caught my attention this weekend. Firstly, there were a few freeloader-related chance in the away ends nothing too boisterous but they got going a few times around in pockets as I said there Uh, not universal but they were there an interesting vibe check for me because you don't know whether online outrage translates onto the terraces but the storm Connor the storm she gathers yeah I think it's one of those ones where they've now offended probably enough people with that remark that it is going to be something that sort of swells around, even if it's a, a background thing actually on a match day, especially when you're going to lose 4-0, then those kind of uh, things are going to be ramped up, even though I'm sure a lot of people will have been thinking about it regardless of the score. So um, yeah, not surprising from that side of things. I think the other thing is Anthony Hall has kind of giving us given us the talking point that actually feels like you can kind of then start to put into a little bit of a jab of a chant. So obviously he's, I don't think the freeloader thing is his word, obviously, but that's how it's been taken. Uh, and I think that really does then set you up for a little bit more of a piffy way of describing things. Cause th- there's not really a way to chant at, you know, we could be being run better and I, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> that, that kind of thing. Um, but once they start to sort of say things that really can be taken the wrong way. And I, I don't think if, even if you take it the right way, I don't think there's a particularly charitable interpretation of that being good. Um, yeah, I think it becomes a lot easier to sort of have those chants that people are going to sort of get behind a little bit. So, yeah, interesting one. And I think it'll be one that we kind of keep looking at in the coming weeks because obviously if the on-pitch stuff is bad, then uh, people will just sort of, I guess, continue with it. And then if it if it improves, it'll be interesting to see if those kind of sentiments linger on on a match day. While obviously I think online, this is probably it now, isn't it? So, Yeah, yeah we'll see what the town end do uh, during the Barrow game because it's not about form it's about what's going on 
backstage, so to speak. I was during the game, Connor. I was shown a couple of uh, email exchanges between a couple of disgruntled fans and an exasperated club staff who were very much tripling down on the 9-3 games rhetoric, seemingly more defensive, offended, irked at the notion that Anthony Hall didn't actually use the term freeloader, which is well, the rhetoric was there for all of us to hear when you say... They take the season tickets. They think there's nine games free this season, which equates to about 40% of the games come free. Um, it's too much. Then it's going to spark a reaction, isn't it? Completely. And I think it's, it's not. I think people aren't offended at the freeloader thing. I don't think that's something... That's not a tree that we have to bark up. I think what they're offended at is that people are understandably showing their loyalty with... But so it's a season ticket is already very expensive, regardless of how many in terms of match day tickets uh, and uh, how, the amount of games, how that works out to our match day tickets are insane for League Two uh, and our season tickets are insane for League Two. I am a season ticket holder, but not at Swindon because I live in Germany. Uh, so I'm a season ticket holder at Mainz. My season ticket at Mainz is less than half of the cost of one at Swindon and I was going to say the quality of football is better. I don't think it is if you look at position in the league. Um, but it, it's one of those things where, in terms of value for money, I, I don't think we're. I don't think this is really a discussion that we need to be having in terms of everyone that has a season ticket when in town is like doing that out of a sense of loyalty and wanting to put money into the club, especially in those summer months where money's not coming in through the doors and it's important for them, I guess, for cash flow to have that coming in at that kind of time as well. So. To say things like that, that just come across as being ungrateful, taking people for granted, that actually people in doing something that they think is helpful, that actually that's harmful for the club in terms of reducing them actually income. It's just not a good look at all. You guys, well, you and uh, you, Rich and um, Dan as well discussed that at much greater length and uh, in, yeah, more in better detail, I think, than, than I'll go into here, but uh, on the pod last week, but <laughs> Not only is it not a good look, I just think it's not good business sense in terms of like, you have to think two and a half years ago, the club are going cap in hand to fans to, oh, can you please waive your COVID refunds for a year of games that you've not been able to play, uh, to come and see us play. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, people are costing people money. So, I mean, it's it's a really horrible look for the club. And yeah, there's a lot there, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of uh, meat on the bones there, Rich. So if you want to pick any anything out of it, then uh, I guess now's... <laughs> not really no because we, we've gone into great detail on it and I, I think people want to hear us be miserable about the AFC Wimbledon game but the observation that I've had in you know the world of social media which isn't the, the be all but people the, the sort of people who are annoyed by those comments are the people that usually defend Swindon to the hilt so that shows to me that the storm she gathers. Anyway, we will move on. It was an unchanged lineup from the Accrington Stanley game, which isn't too much of a surprise given how we played for the majority of it. We had plenty of time off. Murphy Mahoney was in goal, and then in the back, it was Godwin Malife, Blake Tracy, and Harrison Minton, Hutton and Kokolo in the usual places, Liam Kinsella in, in the defensive midfield with Sadio Khan and George McEachran just ahead. Kemp and Young up top. Later, we would see Charlie Austin from the 35th minute come on for Minton. Tyree Shea come on for Consilla with about 20 minutes to go. And then Brooklyn Genesini played his first league minutes. What felt like an eternity. I, I've not even looked it up. I, I assume he hasn't played. There were unused sub 
days out for Lewis Ward, Anton Dvorak, Jackson Brown and Sonny Hart. Connor, it was a lousy start to an abysmal opening half hour for Swindon. Wimbledon were on it immediately, especially Ali Al-Hamadi, who capitalised from a slack header from Godwin Malife, and it was absolutely no surprise to anyone in the away end, and I'm sure those watching at home in the chateau uh, when they took the lead moments later via Omar Bajil. Um, some fans wanted a foul on Fraser Blake Tracy, but I'm not convinced. He sort of runs into a pack of players. Either way, 1-0. Yeah, a lot there. I mean, I think, so just to, to fill in the gaps, I started taking notes before the game because I thought, I can't free will this podcast appearance. It's been a while since I've been on. I need to make sure that uh, I do a, make a good account of myself. Uh, so I've got here unchanged, thankfully from the team that started versus Sackington and not the one that finished. And honestly, I think that's the thing that twisted fate and uh, made us start so poorly because you can't be going around and saying things like that, even if it's just on a piece of paper that's a bit of information for the next day when you're recording a podcast. So really, really sloppy start. I think overall, we just didn't seem to get out of a half in that first five minutes. And I think before the goal, there's already the sort of... um, sort of mix up in the back uh, the back post uh, where Wimbledon want a pen. For me, it would have been soft, but it's pretty poor defending by Godwin Malife to get on the wrong side of his man there. And uh, he, the man goes to the ground, so you could probably argue either way, really. I think uh, on commentary, uh, Andrew Hawes and uh, Marcus Fjortov seem to think that it was. Uh, I just, I was, I, I was kind of watching through my fingers at that point, so uh, who knows? But uh, yeah, and... The problem is, once you get a let off from that, you want to sort of then start to put your foot on the ball and have a bit of possession, but we just couldn't control it at all. And basically the same thing happens from a resulting corner. And uh, I think, what is it? Blake Tracy clears one off the line, resulting corner from that. Um, Bagheel tucked in, surrounded by... And he's, he's in between three players as well, two defenders and the keeper. Just to be... How can you be under so much, so little pressure when you're around so many players? Just it's just really poor defending, and I was just so frustrated at how passive we were in those first opening exchanges. Also suggesting that Minton might have been able to put his laces through it earlier in the build-up. I mean, potentially. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's I, I'm, I've tried to forget it, which is probably not the best thing for this podcast. I, I thought my notes would do me sort of well. Uh, they would see me sort of well served here, but apparently not. For me, it's just. The whole t- the whole defense has to sort of look at themselves there because you've got Blake Tracy going down. I, I'm not convinced there was really anything there, and everyone's just sort of caught ball, ball watching. I, I don't think it really matters about mm. Minton putting his laces through the ball or not because I think regardless, if you have ten men in your own box, you should be able to defend a ball yeah. into it. No, that's that's perfectly fair. Let's stick with Fraser Blake Tracy with a simple question. For someone who is one of our more experienced players, why did he allow himself to be so rattled by Josh Newville, or Nerville from pretty much the get-go, which resulted in both of them getting booked? But, oh, it, it was just in his head from the start. Yeah, it's, it's a really puzzling one as well, because it, it wasn't like he was consistently just like getting completely made fun of. I mean, I think Nerville had the better of the battle of the two of them uh, in those other exchanges because basically everyone in the Wimbledon shirt had a better the better of the battle against their opposite number in a town shirt in those opening exchanges as well but I don't know if it's one of those things 
I think probably if you were to speak to an ex-pro, and it's not something I particularly do very often, don't have the opportunity, but I think a lot of the times you hear about players just kind of needing to sort of do something like that to kind of get into the game. Maybe that's what Blake Tracy was doing, but I mean, it didn't get him really into the game for a while. So um, I have no idea. I mean, the yellow card really for the reducer, just really not needed at all. Uh, It just sort of, in terms of tone, just didn't really match what was going on in those, in those few minutes. But like I say, there's probably, it's probably a thing of, I don't know, just try and get into the winger's head as much as he's in his own head about the winger. I don't know. Let him know you're there, that kind of thing. But, I don't know. It didn't work out very well for us, did it? So. How can you explain those opening 30 minutes? We, we can't talk about, you know, they're being tired or they're getting tired because they've had a week and a half off. But you can also maybe suggest that they're, they're ring rusty. But it was so bad. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I think it's one of those things. You have a team that are well up for it playing against us uh, that I guess are sort of relatively confident. You've got quite a number of few good players in there. So, I mean, my notes are basically just good things that the Wimbledon players did. Uh, so, Alhamadi was really good. Bogil played pretty well. Uh, Lemonhay Evans was good. Uh, Little was good. Uh, I don't have much positive about Swindon. So, I, I think it really is just about like the, the, the Wimbledon players, obviously, whatever was said to them or, you know, however much better they are, whatever. Um I think mostly just a, a mixture, a mixture of probably their motivation and then just having the right plan um, to go at us and, and get into us sort of early doors just really worked. And then to a certain extent, it was us trying to do the same kind of things as usual and it just not working out. So um, there was a lot of times where we were trying to play the quick ball out uh, through like Goblin Relief or someone like that. And, you know, where that might work and we might usually end up creating sort of a decent chance, it just wasn't getting into the attacking players. So um, where in recent weeks we've kind of discussed... Uh, and it's been on the podcast about sort of if you can build a platform for the creative players in Kemp and Young and when he's on the pitch, Austin, to do their thing, then that's quite a valid strategy in League Two. We weren't able to really get the ball in, even into like sort of the midfield area, really. It was just sort of so much in our own pitch. I think to a certain extent, you just have these days sometimes when you go away to a good team. But at the same time, I think it's just are coming together of things I wouldn't look at it in terms of we've not been playing I wouldn't look at it in terms of we're tired I just think we have this performance in us we've seen we've, we've seen this performance before the season we've <laughs> we've been worried that it's going to happen as well at parts of the season uh, I think this is just what we are as a team unfortunately and sometimes it manifests in 4-3 at Accrington because we can get the ball forward to the good players and then yeah sadly sometimes it happens like this as well we did just win our last two games though and that's the thing where it's kind of like it's frustrating because you can see there is potential there but the more I think about it the more we're kind of going through kind of last season again but just in a slightly more gung-ho way in terms of I think we're probably putting the points on the board at the rate and there's going to be the opportunity to continue putting some points on the board throughout the rest of the season that we're never going to be seriously in danger. But whether it's going to be the exciting ride into the playoffs or automatic places that we would really want, I think it's going to, only only time will tell, but I, I can kind of feel the season sort of slowly unravelling and I'm, I'm sure most people would kind of share in that, I don't know. My, my gut feeling for the season at the moment is we're going to have a similar one to how last season played out where 
a couple of wins, followed by a couple of losses. We're still within touching distance, but we're relying too much on other teams dropping points. And we keep on dropping points. And maybe around April time, it, it fizzes away. That, that's that's how it feels at the moment. But as I said at the top of the pod, only one point away. But we do seem to react to these moments like we're well off it. But in terms of our performance we are well off it, and if if we and the amount of goals we concede too, it's hard to be optimistic and say you know we're one we're one win away. Looking around and there's teams below us with two games in hand and teams in better form. It, it just feels like we're going to have a disjointed. Where are all the haters now? Win over Barrow, followed by two losses in a row, then a win at Crawley, then two losses in a row, and end up where we were last season. Yeah, hundred percent. That's why I, I, I can see the parallels because although the football has been better this season and we've been more fun to watch, in a positive and a negative way, probably as a neutral, like the, a Swindon game is always going to be. There's going to be something to remark on, apart from if it's against Doncaster for some reason. Uh, so, <laughs> I think it, it's um, it's one of those ones. I guess if we're going to have a nothing season, it's better to be like this than like last season, where it just was so hard to sort of get fired up and interested in it. But at the same time, I think, like you say, in terms of the way that results are going and just looking at the paper form, uh, it just seems to be the same thing. And it's just that that kind of time of year now where we're just going to come, keep pointing towards January as the time that it could all go wrong or the time that it could all go right or probably the time that will just continue to be like it is now. Uh, and uh, I don't know where we go with that. But yeah, it's it's... It's one of those ones when you go away and you lose four nil. It's never like a good feeling. It's never one that you start you start to think in the context of, this, of our season. This is going to be a, a positive thing. So, like I say, you, you look at you look at Wimbledon. That's just exactly how a successful League Two team plays. I think in terms of not taking too many risks, having a few good players that are able to get about it, and I'm sure they'll be up in the playoff picture at the end of the season. So, um, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not too many sort of sour grapes at the end of it I think you just look at it and we've turned up and we've been the second best team uh, and they've deserved to win in the manner that they have if you look at that first half up to the point that we make the substitution on the 35th minute I mean it could be a lot uglier than it was uh, yes. we, we were 1-0 down after 6 minutes with a Brazil chance but Lemon Havens hits the post and that, to be honest for me that's a sitter uh, like he's not under much pressure he's done well uh, to sort of get into the opportunity but we were so casual from the defending. I think Goblin Malife in particular was just strolling around like he's in the concourse. Uh, honestly, just so... I, I don't like to sort of go into sort of individual attacks on players and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, when you just sort of sat there, sat there ball watching and he's, it, to be fair, like we're in the space where he is, he's your man. I don't know how you can um, sort of justify that. And then again, there's pedestrian midfield play where I think... Minton wins the ball, gets it to Khan. Khan gives the ball away straight away. And now Hamadi has sort of a chance. I think he's just put off by Minton again. He has to get straight back onto the defence. Um, and then literally minutes after that, we're caught on the transition and there's just an acre of space between two of the three centre-halves. Um, Al-Hamadi and Bougil carve us open. And I just I, I just have written here, how, much, how is there so much space? I mean, it doesn't make... Yeah, but like... It's like they're in different postcodes. I, I, I have no idea. And at that point, I just like I haven't got a note about anything positive that we've done. And then we got a corner and gave the ball straight away. So we just weren't releasing our own pressure. We were just allowing them attack after attack. 
and it could have been very, very messy for us. And we were very lucky as anyone now. I completely agree. And that postcode space is is a season long issue. It's not even a personnel issue. And if it is, they all suffer it because it was the it was the same. It's been the same in every combination of back three that we've had this year, which have, of course is only is only one difference. It's either Godwin Malife, Fraser Blake Tracy and Tom Brewitt or Harrison Minturn. But space is something that we offer a lot of to our opposition. In terms of the of the Godwin Malife moment, it, it's kind of gone viral within the, the Swindon uh, social media universe. And that's a clip of Michael Flynn. And I think it's Godwin Malife having an exchange shortly before Michael Flynn made a tactical switch up, which didn't involve Godwin Malife, it involved Harrison Minton, but it's caused a lot of conversation, it's created a lot of conversation. I mean, yeah, it's, it's the sort of thing that you look at and depending on the context of the season, you can have that as sort of, we're terrible or the manager's losing the plot, all that kind of stuff. I Obviously, from what I've seen of it, you can't really tell exactly what's sort of being exchanged there, but it, it's one of those things where it's just it just feels a little bit like that doesn't you don't really need to be doing that in front in full view of everyone that kind of thing yeah uh but for me i i mean i mean there was clearly a conversation that needs to be had there so i mean the manager knows his team best if that's how he can get a reaction out of players then fine i would suggest that we he probably didn't see the reaction he wanted out of any of the players as a result of that so i mean it's one of those ones i think for all of the sort of positive things we say about michael flynn uh in what he's sort of rung out of this squad so far this season. And I think we, we can't forget that there's been some great football in an attacking sense and some good results and all that kind of thing. But I think you, sometimes you look at sort of the, just the way that he carries himself and I'm just like, oh, yeah, you're not the best guy, are you? <laughs> I don't know. Never met him. I'm sure he's a lovely bloke, but I don't know. that that It's not the way that you'd really want to see a manager behaving on the touchline, I don't think. But I'm sure there'll be a lot of people with different opinions there and... Uh, if a player's underperforming, then maybe they need to be told it in, in no uh, confused terms. I wasn't too offended by it, but in the spectrum that it's not a million miles away from John Sheridan during that awful season, is it? And some town fans are saying that's passion. Other fans are saying that's not passion. That's a sign of a struggle inside. Time will tell, but sometimes these conversations have to happen. And if we're completely honest... The, the switch around by bringing Austin on for Minton for the remainder of the half worked. Yeah, I mean, it certainly sort of take, took a little bit of the pressure off of the players' backs in terms of just gaining those few yards, getting us out of our own half for the first time in 35 minutes or so. Um, I mean, as soon as Austin comes on, uh, Young misses a chance on the stretch after Kemp finally gets a little bit of space and uh, puts a ball in probably one of those ones where he could take a touch and it might be a little bit of a more presentable chance for Young. As it was, it was kind of a half chance, but um, it was something to improve on. I kind of, I definitely went into the halftime break feeling more positive in terms of we got a second corner. Finally, we're picking up. I think it was flicked wide uh, by FBT and unfortunately not too dangerous. Um, and then I think Khan shanked one wide, kind of trying to do what he did against Accrington again uh, up in uh, down in Wimbledon. Uh, as well as another kind of half chance from, I guess, about 40 yards after the goalkeeper kind of tried to do what he did for Luke Jeffcott uh, back in April. Um, and uh, it's just a little bit too far and we didn't quite manage to get anything out of it. So half time, 
I think pretty poor, but we had improved, like you say. And I was kind of thinking about it, like also, it's still all to play for. Could be okay, could be not. I don't know. I was kind of, I was kind of disappointed. So the the, the substitute of Austin coming on, I think, was absolutely right. I think it had to happen. I was kind of disappointed to see Minton coming off because I think up until that point he'd been the only defender that I didn't really have a huge uh, bug to bear with. Really, I mean FPT, I just think was absolutely miles off it. And if I was doing like player ratings, it'd be a two or a three probably, honestly. Um, and Goblin Malife was not much better. Uh, whereas I think Minton, I mean he's probably been taken off as he's the um, sort of more uh, junior sort of member of that trio. But I think you know wasn't perfect um because you know everyone put a foot wrong at certain points in that game but i think he he was the defender that sort of was was covering uh for a few of the mistakes of the, t- the players around him so I was, I was disappointed to see him go off because i thought he deserved a little bit longer yeah blake tracy did improve over the game until he went off and i think flynn agrees with that but i think in my opinion the damage was done really but it, yeah it, I think it felt like Minton was being punished or hauled off because he couldn't cope when it happened in my head. But it's quite clear reading back at people who were there or people who were watching it remotely, that clearly wasn't the case. Yeah, 100%. I mean, for me, it's it's one of those things. If you were to look at someone to apportion blame at in that back three, which I, I don't think we need to be apportioning an individual blame, but I think he was just the better player of the three. It might just be because in the centre of the three, that's a bit more of a simple, just win the ball, give the ball to someone else kind of role, whereas you are asking for a little bit more from FBT and Goblin Malife. But I just, I don't know. I, I think it was it was disappointing just because I think we've been seeing him sort of slowly build up a little bit in terms of performances while Brewer's been out. And um, yeah, from, from what I've seen of him recently, I've been pretty happy. Uh, would have liked to have seen more of him on Saturday. But again, at the end of the day, you have to go back to, obviously, Flynn knows his team. And uh, when he wants to go back to a back four, I guess you might just want to sort of go to sort of the slightly more experienced players if you're going to have to do a, a system changing game. Uh, and, you know, for 20 minutes of the game, then it, it kind of worked. Uh, and we, we, we came out of the uh, the second into the second half also looking good. Immediate attack at the post. We peaked in the 46th minute. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we hit the post, obviously, with Kemp. I think it, it it's one of those ones where I think we've, they've just been caught cold. We've had a good chance. But then after that, it's, again, it's just all, <laughs> all Wimbledon. So um, I don't know. You know, it, that stemmed the flow for 20 minutes. But once Wimbledon got back into their gears, I think uh, we'd played our hand, unfortunately. Mm. It was close, clear deflection. Uh, it was Liam Kinsella, wasn't it, um, who had the effort and it felt like a moment it got the Swindon fans behind the goal a little bit more into it come on we're going to do it again it felt like we were going to score I was saying to Terry who I was watching the game with I was saying that this is playing out as if we've got a goal in us and then that happened straight away into the second half and I thought well this is this is going to happen we're going to we're going to fight back but we just ran out of steam yeah, and I think for 10 minutes after that, not a great deal happened in the the second half. Then there was a chance for Lemon Hay Evans, which was well saved by Mahoney. But I could feel that it was building for Wimbledon. And then when you're going to concede a goal, like we did on the hour mark to Armani Little, uh, just absolutely audacious, great finish. Um, I mean, you can't really describe that as a finish, can you? Great strike. Um, I just think, I mean, that just completely would knock the stuffing out of you, especially the, the way that the first half went. And the way that that second half had gone until that point, it was that was 
game. That is match point, wasn't it? I, let's, I, I was about to, I was about to not do a tennis punt, but <laughs> oh, Connor. Hello, Rich here with an exciting offer for listeners of the Love Strangers. Yes, we've teamed up with NordVPN to help your viewing pleasure so you can watch your favourite things without constantly travelling to the chateau. That's right, NordVPN allows you to watch those sporting events, TV shows and films which aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location with just one click to a country which is showing the content. NordVPN acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands. Now to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash strangers. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and you'll also help support our podcast along the way. You can find the link in the podcast episode description box. Thank you, enjoy, and onwards. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Enthusiastic contributor and former Swindon McDonald's employee. Farewell, Outlook Village. One time I got to serve the then Swindon manager, Roy Evans. Yes, I know what you're wondering. Big Mac with medium fries. And admittedly, why Roy may have regretted some choices at SM1, well, you can't go wrong with the classics. And you can't go wrong with McDelivery, where instead of you getting in a time machine and coming to me, your favourites can come to you. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And Khan gets it out to Hutton. He's well forward here, about uh, 25 yards out or so. Looks up, curls across in the box. Austin's there! Austin coming in! Although you know, they were great, I think what was quite clear was Al Hamadi just is something is a player that we don't have, and they were clinical, and well, he would later deserve his goals. Yeah, and I think it's one of those ones. Uh, if in their perspective, why bother going through excess energy to win the game when you've already won the game? They've got just like we do. They've got a busy festive schedule coming up. If you've won the game on the hour mark, just yeah, just sort of vibe it. Just l- allow yourself to sort of sit there in second gear and just pick a team off that are going to have to come into you. It's what they did. And like you say, he, he's a nuisance, isn't he? He's just, he was just ferreting around the whole time. And that is a very, very good front two in terms of, I think, I've seen a lot of Bougiel over the years because he's a bit of a stalwart of League Two now for Forest Green and Sutton and now Wimbledon. Um, on his own, never that impressed with him, but he just dovetails really well with um, Alhamadi and... I think he's he's a cut above the league, obviously, um, and uh, in in good form. So you can't can't really sort of complain too much. But yeah, it, it's one of those ones. I think he was their best player for sure um, in that sort of opening hour or so, where it was where it was a contest, or for parts of that hour was a contest. Uh, and yeah, he got his reward in the end in terms of getting on the score sheet later on. I mean, I think. We did have a couple of chances after the um, after the two 0 So, Cocolo or Cocolo, however he's called, um, had a couple of crosses towards Austin, and Austin's shot on the turn was blocked. Potential sort of tentative shouts for a penalty, but nothing doing in the end. Um, another cross where no one was there. Uh, no, well, I think people were there, but no one really attacked it. Um, and then I think Austin had a sort of a half chance as well. Which immediately led to a, a Mahoney save from Alhamadi as well. Before 
Um, yeah. Ahamdi getting a goal and just, yeah, again, it's just one of those things of defender caught out of position, caught slightly ball watching and uh, attacker makes a dynamic run in behind and uh, it, it's not saveable for Mahoney. So, yep. Yeah, the, the last two, the, the third and the fourth are, are essentially duplicates, aren't they? They're us giving the way the ball in the middle of the park and then just not being able to <laughs> to retrieve it and it's it's just a little bit embarrassing much like some of the uh the problems behind <laughs> behind the goal during the game I, um at one stage when it, there was an injury I, I used that opportunity to go to the toilet and to try and get back in amongst the uh the police the stewards the swindon fans um i had a nice little chat with a steward as i as i wasn't allowed through the gate again um until it was all sorted out uh it was it was quite the scene yeah it sounds uh an interesting exchange of words, I guess. I don't know. It, you tell me more. There's nothing much more to say, really. Um, it just that that was that was pretty much as as angry a scene the away end had throughout the whole game. It's just apathy at the moment. There's no booing. There's there's no angst. It's just we're here. We're rubbish today. Ho hum. We go home and we and we and we contemplate going to Tramier in a week or so's time. It's it's, I, yeah, I, I don't know what it will take to to break that bond that Swindon Town fans have with with the playing side of things. I hope it doesn't, but it was it was very flat again in the away ends. There were moments of of chance, but it's just. It's just full of apathy at the moment. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I think to a certain extent in the position that we're in, in terms of the amount of points we've got in the port so far, I think apathy's probably a bit more apt than sort of really going for everyone. Because like you say, I mean, we've come off the back of two wins and that probably sort of stems why, you know, when it is going to be terrible, you're just going to be, you know what, it's typical Swindon. That's kind of what we've done a couple of times so far this season, rather than straight into out right outrage which you might do if you are you were just losing every week and you know thinking back to when we went there another time um in the the Sheridan season uh, where we we didn't go there because we were watching an eye follow but you know that was you know right at the end of sort of a relegation struggle and if people were in the ground that would have probably been a bit of a toxic atmosphere and rightly so in this case it's like you say we we probably will come back and uh have some good performances in the rest of this month uh and probably get some points on the board somewhere else. So it probably doesn't help to be really toxic towards the players at this point. Uh, it's one of those ones where towards the ownership, it's like, well, we don't have uh, a say in what happens with the money um, in terms of are we going to sort of actually invest in the playing side of things in January? Are we going to um, go through the mo- go through the um, gears to actually improve the squad that we've got? I mean, which would be really easy because it's so small. Uh, and uh, and all that kind of thing, or are we just going to sort of sit on our hands and and, and see what happens? I, I think, like for me, even even if I was like absolutely fuming about the performances and all that kind of thing, it would still be tempered with like you know, like look around and think, is this an acceptable size squad for a League Two team? Um, I think you know there are question marks about the way that we've approached games tactically, but then what, the amount of points that we've got out of the size of the squad this season so far. I think does kind of speak positively for for Michael Flynn, even if there are negative things you can say. So I think 
you know, you're not going to be buzzing when you're losing 4-0. It's, yeah, it's probably normal. <laughs> it's probably normal that you're just sort of like a bit resigned to it to a certain extent. No, um, but and I just but there was there was a 25 minute period where it was one nil and it still didn't really improve. And there were moments and, you know, we re- reacted to a, the moments as opposed to the, the general galvanizing. It, it just it just feels like we're all going through the motions. Yeah. And to a certain extent, I mean, you, when you're there as a fan, you need something to get your teeth into in terms of the attacks and all that kind of thing. If you're not going to create anything of meaning and just my my notes are just half chance after half chance here. We're not even half chance after half chance. It's just you know a couple of half chances here and there. If you're not if you're not going to sort of lay a glove really on the opponent, then you're not going to give people that much to get excited about. So yeah, at the end of the day, but it, it's a, it, you know the the result is what it is. The performance is not great. I think we've seen enough that you know we will probably end up doing something a little bit different um, against Barrow, um, if not than against Tranmere. You know it, it's not all down and out. Uh, but at the end of the time, it's not all rosy as well. So we're, we're just in that kind of limbo state, uh, you know, a little bit like in, in Bruce, just to tie it back to what we're talking about at the start. There we go. There we go. Well done. Rob Dinsey says, I don't think it's ideal that we end a game with Romeo Hutton at centre-back, Rich. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's famed for his uh, old-fashioned centre-back play, is he? I mean, you want him to be playing in an attacking sense and creating chances. Uh, which unfortunately for him, he just didn't really have anyone to play to. So where basically against Accrington, he was just constantly dangerous. I just don't really think I thought that much about him, unfortunately, on Saturday. And uh, that's a shame because, again, he's one of those players, as soon as you give him a platform, he will do something good for you. Uh, And I don't think, yeah, I I wouldn't describe centre-back as a platform, particularly for his talent. So, uh, yeah, that is unfortunate, isn't it? They, they, they almost scored. They scored a fourth. They almost scored a fifth. It finished four nil. The quotes from Flynn post game was everything that we've heard before, really, about about the fact that we need to improve. They need to look in the mirrors. A lot of mirror looking in this in this uh, in this season. Um, hoping to get players back next week. We won't make excuses, but then he goes on to make a few excuses. He talks about the loose passes. He refuses to blame the defenders for the poor defending. It's just the general defending of the side. But again, reading around, because that's all I can do. I don't live in Swindon. I don't sit in pubs and listen to Swindon fans in the SN postcodes. People, I think, are getting a little bit more tired of it. I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm in that place at the moment because of everything that we know about what's happening or what we think we know is happening at Swindon Town and what we're seeing in terms of our squad. But people were annoyed with Flynn at the end of this game. And I think it's because he's playing the same record every week in the press conferences. There's, regardless of whether we're up or down, I think he's very much just sort of you know playing the hits each week. Like you say, the mirror, what, the mirror looking. I mean, I don't know how that is supposed to be useful for us. Um, and again, after, when when we win, it will be proving a point about something negative that someone said before. That you know, now in the the uh, light of a victory is uh, you know something that you can kind of uh, point score over. I think it's just loads of you. Just yeah, quite often from a lot of the stuff you say, you just don't get an amazing feeling. Not that you know there's anything necessarily hugely wrong there, but just that. It doesn't inspire you to be like, you know what, I, I want to run through uh, a wall for this guy where, where we have had managers before that um, have kind of inspired that kind of thing. And uh, they knew when to change their tone a little bit or when to uh, be a little bit different. But he is just always 
about looking at ourselves and uh, uh, yeah, unfortunately the same old things. Um, and I think again, he needs to be careful in terms of how he plays it sort of, uh, you know, with sort of some of the off pitch rumblings as well in terms of, you know, I think there have been times where he's kind of, you know, said a few things that, you know, wouldn't be completely un- um, uncontroversial with the hierarchy, but if he ties himself too closely to um, the way that the club's being managed in ter- uh, financially and all that kind of stuff, um, then he doesn't leave himself a huge amount of ways to go in, in terms of his reputation if it does go wrong. Because, you know, I, I think for me, the, the main thing that's really frustrating is that I think if he was given five or six more players and we had a normal size squad, a couple of those being hopefully really good ones as well, uh, then I think, you know, we would be re- doing quite well with the way that he wants us to play. Uh, and uh, we wouldn't be having days like this against Wimbledon 4-0. Um, but, yeah, the longer he goes along with it in public uh, and doesn't question the fact that we've got basically like 12 or 13 players that can play every week, and that's about it, then uh, it just it eventually looks like he sort of goes along with it and is happy with it, which I'm sure he's not, but it's just like, well, yeah, eventually at some point, if you're not going to start criticising it, then people will start to see that as well and that will start to colour how you're judged. So, yeah, I think for me, it's like I'm not... I'm not as high on him as I have been on other managers, but at the, at the end of the day as well, the, the results are good enough that I'm not particularly low on him as well um, compared to some other managers that we've had uh, in the Clemente era. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's, again, it's just all in the middle as as it seems to be <laughs> all of the time at the moment. I just think that the majority of Swindon fans sort of shrug their shoulders and know, well, what, what difference does it make right now? He's just signed a new deal if those who feel that the cash flow problems at Swindon Town can't go, we haven't got a pot to pee in, but please sack Michael Flynn because it's just not possible. Either way, 26 games in all competitions that he's uh, managed in all comps, 106 goals have, have been witnessed by Swindon fans and in the league, 83, which just feels insanely high at this stage of, of a managerial tenure. Yeah, I mean, it, it really does. Um, it sounds like we're playing sort of football in the interwar years almost. <laughs> <laughs> Every day's a Boxing Day 63, is that what we're yeah, saying? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I, I hope it will be actually on Boxing Day 23 at some point as well, because, uh, you know, that would be a, a spicy meatball. And, you know, the, the way Rex and play, who knows? But we won't, we won't go into that just yet. That's a few weeks off. But, yeah, I mean, like you say, if, if you're thinking about charging someone 27 quid for a match day ticket, then I guess there might as well be about 27 goals per game as well. I mean, from that side of things, maybe that's a positive. I don't know. But um, yeah, it's it's you just don't know what to expect. Uh, and if you honestly, if you ask me to pick to sort of predict the Barrett game, we'll win. We'll win. Uh, well, I, I just don't want to predict it, Rich. But no, we'll um, win. Yeah, I'll like go with that. And everyone will go, this will be the turning point. And then... You know, maybe we'll get a draw against Wrexham, we might beat them and we'll go, here we go. And then we go and lose against Forest Green and Crawley or something like that. I, I just feel that that's the way it's going to play out, but it won't stop me from going to those games wherever possible and, and hoping for the best. But I think generally in terms of listeners' contributions, for which there are a lot, but they're all along the same lines. And it, it's all about being physically unable to com- compete with, with Wimbledon and being out for and out muscled and outplayed from across the entire 
pitch. And then you've got Matt in Singapore that's saying not even remotely upset or dis- disappointed. Both performance and result were entirely predictable and not a surprise anymore, which is, which is, it feels like the right comment, despite the last three games being okay or good. Uh, Mansfield was was a wonderful conclusion and Accrington Stanley was crazy, but it was still a win and then a draw before those two. So they're losing us and we need something to kick us up the backside. Like last year, Charlie Austin rejuvenated the fan base. What are they going to do this year when if we lose our two standout players and maybe one or two more? Hope that January is kind to us. We are due a good a better January in, in many respects. It's it's just there needs to be something to grab the fan base because after Wrexham, which will no doubt be a sellout, they, they need something to to cling on to. Well, do you know what, Rich? I'm hot off the press, but um, when Clem's back uh, on the 21st of December, he's actually going to be overseeing the January window. So we'll probably end up signing a bunch of players that were here a couple of years ago uh, and that will reignite the fan base because... I don't know. We saw Josh Davison, you know, surely bring him home. You know, he actually linked up quite well for the fourth goal. Uh, yeah. And I liked him when he was here. But I mean, it's one of those things you actually think, he, I think he genuinely might think, let's see, what, what can we get that's closest to an Austin this this uh, this season? And it might just be, let's see if we can get McCurdy on loan um, to sort of build him uh, back up uh, to full fitness. Let's see if uh, Tyree Simpson's available. Uh, let's see if... Uh, DJ... I'd, Hey, what's Nikia Jose doing? I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, yeah, Clem's never heard of Nikia Jose, unfortunately, even though he's pro- he was at the club at that point. I just, yeah, th- there's no way that's that's happened. But <laughs> um, I, I just, yeah, what's what's going to be the sort of uh, jab in the arm that's going to galvanise us in January? I really hope there is one. I can't really predict it too much. Uh, but yeah, that. I think that is what the season needs, isn't it? It's, you know, a, a couple of sort of decent signings to c- kind of say the second half of the season, we might not be picking the ball out the net three times a game and then hoping we can score four somehow. Um, uh, but we'll see. I mean, I think it's one of those things. If you handle this on a game, if you handle the season on a game to game basis, there's going to be some games where you're going to be disappointed. There's going to be other games where you're pretty happy. It's going to be enough for mid table. And then we'll just have to see where we are um, as we keep going through it. But I think that's maybe the best way to do it. Obviously, you'd be disappointed if you handle it on a game-to-game basis with a 4 loss at Wimbledon. But, you know, like like we keep saying, I'm sure we'll have some good days out and uh, some good wins and all that kind of stuff uh, at some point throughout the rest of the season. We have done so far. So, uh, yeah, try, try not to be too down on it. But, uh, yeah, you can't be too high after watching all of that can you so no you cannot and games come thick and fast at the moment so just any sort of semblance of silence over the next five days will be absolutely delicious as we as we embrace the christmas period which is very busy indeed in terms of man of the match for this game it was there's been a few this season where the listenership just either don't care or just go, well, how do you pick someone from that and not in a good way? I think it was probably, in terms of the best performance on the the day, in my opinion, was probably Williams Coccolo. But the listeners have gone with Harrison Minturn, Connor. Well, yeah, I'm very much in the... 34 uh, minutes. 
And what a 34 minutes they were. No, I, I mean, I don't, don't, yeah, exactly. I don't want to, I don't want to be too harsh for anyone here, but I am more of a, how do you pick someone out of that? I mean, I, I don't think really anyone gets up to like a six out of 10 performance really. Um, and like I say, I would have liked to have seen more of Harrison Minter and I was disappointed when he came off. I don't think I could say that I'd like to, see, to have seen more of anyone else on that pitch. So I will also, I will, I will agree with the listeners and uh, yeah, say Harrison Minter. It's not a protest vote. We didn't get many. And I, I, I sort of quickly whiz to the Town End Forum that does a game by game man of the match and Minton only got one <laughs> in terms of theirs and Kokoro has raced away with it but votes have been few and far between for them also I mean this is a vote where Brooklyn Genesini got five (laughs) (laughs) not five out of ten five votes in in a lead uh, where Coccolo's got 12 and he's he's that far ahead so I I have to put somebody in we're going to give it to Harrison Minton but if if anyone who is friends or if indeed Harrison Minton is listening to this it's not a protest as far as I'm concerned. It's uh, it's it's solidarity. Well, yeah, and like, the thing is, it's like, yeah, it's just I, I, we have to give it to someone. And uh, yeah, as I said, my my logic here is, who would have liked, who would have liked to see more of? It's Harrison Minton. Fingers crossed to we'll see more of him next week, and it'll be a better performance. And then we're gonna really struggle because everyone played well, and we won't know who to name it, uh, who to name manager match there, and it'll all be good. I don't know, but. Yeah, some, sometimes you do have a difficult one. And I, I find it crazy to think that during that relegation season under Sheridan that we did manage to fill up the spreadsheet with Man of the Matches for basically every game because, yeah. I say that. There was the crossbar at Wimbledon, funnily enough, I think, was, was one one of them, wasn't it? That is true. I mean, that was end of days, wasn't it, Rich? So I think we can yeah. uh, we can allow ourselves that one. I think we can all agree that Wimbledon's crossbar was woefully inept this, this season, did nothing all game. Hey, no, he, he saved us from Lemon Hay Evans in the first half, so maybe. That's the post, not the crossbar. Oh, it's all the same. It's all the same thing, isn't it? Really interesting. interesting. The woodwork. Yeah, I've just checked. It, it it did go to the both listeners and the pod gave it to the crossbar <laughs> that season. Uh, what a time that was! And and I think I don't think there's anything major to discuss beyond that, other than my personal misery that Swindon have crashed out of the Wiltshire Premier Shield by choice, and I don't get a. a a midweek trip to Chippenham Town to watch the under-18s plus Genesini and Lewis Ward, which which has upset me greatly. I mean, genuinely citing fix the congestion is some of the like, greatest, just greatest commitment to the bit that I've ever heard. I mean, who even knows? I mean, this is why you have a squad in a... Oh, wait. Okay, fair enough. I see where they're coming from. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, very sad news. Uh, and I, I, that was our chance at silverware, wasn't it? So unfortunate. It's Michael Flynn in the cups malarkey. He hasn't come into fruition yet. I'm all, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of expectations next year. Yeah, I mean, maybe we're just sort of tanking it up to one big run where we finally uh, go for our... Yeah, get into the FA Cup final, finally. It's been a long time. <laughs> Nothing can go wrong now. Connor, thank you very much. Thank you.
The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. The views given do not reflect those of Swindertown Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast logo was created by the most splendid Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on you Reds! Come on Swindon! Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.